There's a slogan that I, I used to see on bumper stickers. I haven't seen this for, for a little while, but uh, for quite a long time, I, w- I would see these all over the place. And, and it said, question authority. Question authority. And, um, yeah, I, I was wondering this week, uh, where did that come from? Where did that, that slogan come from? And, uh, you know, it's not a, it's certainly not a new idea to question authority, right? We're born with it, yeah. You know, from, from the beginning when, when Satan said to, to Eve, did God really say that? You know, say, Eve, you, you got to question authority. You know, anyway, um, you can find on the internet claims that, that Benjamin Franklin said this, that, that a citizen's first responsibility is to question authority. But digging a little deeper, no, it wasn't Benjamin Franklin. It was uh, Timothy Leary, who was a, a counter, countercultural uh, leader, I guess, in the, uh, in the 60s. And, uh, you know, questioning authority then became not just questioning it, but rejecting all authority. And, uh, you know, the idea, like I said, has, has been with us the whole time. Well, in today's text, uh, we, we see that the, uh, the religious leaders were questioning Jesus' authority. They, uh, yeah, they challenged his, his teaching. They, they challenged his actions, the, thing that, the things that he was doing, you know, pretty much saying, you know, who, who do you think you are doing all this stuff, saying, saying this stuff? You know, they, he, was, he was doing and teaching things that uh, they, they just could not accept. Uh, and he was challenging their actions and their beliefs and their teaching. You know, remember, Jesus earlier had uh, gone to the temple uh, remember, uh, he says, you know, you, you, you guys, this is, this is the house of prayer. You know, my God said, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it into a, a, a den of robbers. I think they were offended. Well, read with me anyway, starting in, in Mark eleven twenty seven. Mark eleven twenty second. 27. Okay, and they came in they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and scribes and elders came to him and they said to him, "By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you the authority to do them?" And Jesus said, "I will ask you one question. Answer me and I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me." And they discussed it with one another, saying, well, if if we say from heaven, he'll say, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from man, they were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. And so they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And so, you know, we need to look at this in in light of the, the many encounters that the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees had already had with Jesus. And uh, as we get into this passage, we'll see that Jesus does have the authority to do and to say these things. You know, he he teaches these things. Uh, Further, you know, we'll see that uh, as his followers, as his disciples, we are to submit to his authority 
and to work under his authority to, uh, to bear fruit. So Jesus has all authority. You know, his, his authority was, was apparent to those who would, would listen, you know, the, the, the people, the crowds. Uh, you know, Jesus did not have the, uh, the human credentials, you know, the credentials of man that the uh, religious leaders were, were working or were, were looking for. You know, they, they saw this upstart rabbi doing things and saying things, making some pretty bold claims. And, uh, you know, Jesus wasn't schooled by any of the great rabbis. Uh, he, he wasn't in the inner circle at the, uh, the temple or, or the synagogue. You know, as far as they were concerned, he was, he was a complete outsider. But the people recognized Jesus' authority. You know, back in chapter 1, remember when uh, Jesus went into Capernaum on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and he, and he taught. And Mark one twenty two says, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught, as, he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. You know, this is part of what was causing their jealousy that they, you know, the people were looking to Jesus as, as one who was saying things that, yeah, this, this is from God. He's, he's teaching with, with authority. And while he was there in the synagogue, remember a man with an unclean spirit came and confronted him. And, and Jesus told this uh, spirit, this demon to be quiet and to come out of the man. And, you know, again, the, the crowd was very impressed. It says they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this, a, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. And, uh, you know, at that point, it didn't take too long for the uh, religious leaders to, to turn against him. You know, it was, it was out of envy. And remember really early on, it said, you know, they, they were starting to uh, plot how to kill him. You know, Jesus taught with authority and where did his authority come from? It came from the father. Jesus says the words he speaks are from the, the father. He not only does what the father tells him to do, but he, he speaks the words that, that the father tells him to speak. And Jesus made that claim. He claimed that his authority was, was from the Father. The, uh, the Greek word from authority, for authority is the Greek word excusia. And uh, it, it appears 102 times in the New Testament. This is, this is a big concept in the New Testament. And sometimes this word is uh, translated authority. Sometimes it's translated as, as power. Uh, there's a couple other words that are also used for for power, but you know there's this this sense in this word that uh it's it's an empowerment he speaks and acts under the authority of of, of the father he's the the father has given him the the power has empowered him to do these things and we find uh, many many claims of Jesus's authority in in the uh, in the gospels you know Jesus has authority over the demons he has the authority to judge he has the authority to cast into hell he has the the authority to lay down his life and the authority to to raise it up again and in matthew 28:18 you know right before he ascends into heaven speaking to the uh, the 
disciples, he he gives them this sweeping, bold statement. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. So, what does this mean to us? You know how that that Jesus has has authority. You know how does how does that affect us? How does that affect the way we live? It impacts us. Jesus makes it very clear that we are to uh, to submit to His authority. Uh, now the problem is, we naturally resist authority, don't we? Does anybody have that bumper sticker out there? Yeah, question authority. We resist authority, and and you know, uh, I'll admit that by nature I'm. You know, I can be defensive. I don't think I'm a, I'm alone here. Uh, you know, by nature, uh, we we want to be autonomous. You know, we we want to justify ourselves. By nature, we we are not submissive people, though we're commanded to to submit. You know, we don't we don't want interference in our lives. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, who started out as an atheist who became a believer in his autobiography talks about this. He says, but of course, what mattered most of all, this is, this is talking about before he came to the Lord. What mattered most of all was my deep seated hatred of authority, my monstrous individualism, my lawlessness. No word in my vocabulary expressed deeper hatred than the word interference. But Christianity placed at the center, what then seemed to me a transcendental interferer. If its picture were true, then no sort of treaty with reality could ever be possible. There was no region, even in the innermost depths of one's soul, nay, there least of all, which one could surround with a barbed wire fence and guard with a notice, no admittance. And that was what I wanted. Some area, however small, but which I could say to all other beings, this is my business and mine only. That's by nature, that's how we are. You know, our, our resistance to authority is a matter of pride. You know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a rebellion against that, that divine interference that C.S. Lewis is talking about, you know, the transcendental in, interferer. It's a, uh, a desire or a, a demand for, uh, for autonomy. You know, we don't want to be accountable to anybody, let alone God, in our flesh. Well, anyway, what did they say about Jesus? What did they say to him? They said, by what authority do you do these things and say these things? You know, Isn't this the carpenter's son? He's just a normal guy. How, how dare he make these these bold, rash statements about who he is and, and about us. Well, as we move through the text, going into chapter 12, Jesus gives us a, a, a parable which uh, illustrates this. It's a parable about his authority and uh, about God's expectation of, of us, his, his people. And we're, we're responsible to God 
So beginning in chapter 12, Jesus gives us this parable out of the story. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of tells us, uh, kind of gives a picture of God's dealings with, with humanity. Read with me in uh, Mark 12, starting in verse 1. It says, he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. And when the season came, he he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And then he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat, some they killed. Yet still... One other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent them to them saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyards to others. Have you not read the scripture, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. You know, when Jesus gave this parable, the religious leaders would have made a connection with, with Isaiah, what Isaiah said about the vineyard about God in his vineyard. Uh, Isaiah 50, or excuse me, Isaiah 5, first uh, seven verses, uh, it has a, a love song of God about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out of a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. So this parable that Jesus is giving is a, you know, a story that illustrates what this, this poem in uh, Isaiah, this song in Isaiah talks about, you know, if we look back on the history of mankind, you know, God had, had put Adam and Eve as the stewards of the garden. You know, his, his plan was for them to enjoy the fruit, to, to cultivate and, and to live in this, this place. But as we know, they rebelled against God. And they were evicted from the garden. But, uh, you know, the stewardship of, of the earth remained. Man's sinfulness remained as well. And God sent prophets. And uh, those, those prophets were subject to abuse. Some of them were beaten like that. Some of them were, were killed. You know, the prophets were, were God's messengers words they spoke were, were, were given to them by God for God's people. They were his representatives. You know, they came under God's authority. They spoke by God's authority, but the people rejected that authority. 
And we could see this in the Old Testament many, many times over. Um, remember this, the story of uh, King Ahab's wife, Jezebel. You know, she was, she was trying to kill Elijah. And Elijah hid in a cave. He, he escaped and hid in a cave and he, he complained to God. He said, the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. That's in 1 Kings 19, 10. Of course, God told, God told him, you know what? I, I have a remnant. I, I have, I have many people. I forget how, like 7,000 who've not uh, bowed down to, to Baal. But it's interesting, you know, the, uh, the religious leaders, Jesus giving that parable, what does it say? They, they knew what he was talking about. They knew who he was talking about. They perceived that he was talking about them. You know, it kind of reminds me of when uh, Nathan the prophet uh, confronted David uh, concerning his adultery with Bathsheba and uh, his murder of Bathsheba's husband, uh, Uriah. Remember, uh, Nathan told David, this story about a man who stole a poor man's sheep and David became very incensed, angry that that anyone would do such a thing and, and he demanded judgment on this guy and Nathan pointed at David and said, you're the one, you're the one. Uh-oh. Yeah, our pride gets us into trouble. And, and, you know, James says in James 4, 6 through 8, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, we, we need to draw near to God. We need to submit to his authority. We need to embrace his authority. We need to work under his authority and bear fruit for him. That's what Jesus in this parable is talking about. God God put these people in this vineyard to cultivate the grapes, to grow them, to harvest them for fruit. He wants us to uh, to bear fruit as well for him. You know, Jesus maybe was continuing this thought from earlier. Remember, we, we talked about the uh, the fig tree you know, that, that was not bearing fruit. He went into the temple and the temple, God's people in the temple were, were not bearing fruit. They had turned the temple into a, a marketplace instead of a, a house of prayer, which was what God desires. And, you know, Jesus is further fleshing out this idea. So, you know, the, the, the owner of the vineyard, after, after the people of Beat and beaten and killed the prophets, sent his son. The tenants recognize him as, as the owner's son, and you know, they, they know he's not just another messenger. And they kill him. Jesus asks, What's going to happen to them? You know, they're going to face judgment. Uh, he's, he's certainly not going to uh, leave them in the vineyard where they're, where they're not producing the fruit where they're not giving the fruit he's not going to trust them you know he's going to he's going to hand this vineyard he's going to hand over the stewardship of this vineyard to, to someone else so you know what is what does this really mean for us you know let's look at the parable we need to uh see that you know the uh 
you know, by 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 making these these people uh, workers in the vineyard, by stewards of the vineyard, he has granted them authority. He's empowered them to bear fruit, to run the operations, to to plant, to to harvest, to do all the things that that are needed to create a, a productive vineyard. Um, but you know, their, their authority is limited. They, the only authority they have is the authority that was given to them by the, uh, by the owner. And that authority could be taken away. You know, really they've, they've abdicated their, their authority, you know, by not producing fruit for, for the owner. And uh, you know they've they've given up any rights or or power by rebelling against the the owner, beating the messengers, killing the messengers, killing the son. You know not only are they going to face the owner's wrath, but uh, that stewardship is going to be taken away from them. Jesus says, you know we we know these are these are bad stewards. They're they're rebellious. They're unrighteous. Jesus says, and we know who they who's Jesus talking about. He's Talking about these people who were the leaders, the religious leaders, you know, those those who should have who should have known better, you know, to whom is is God going to give this stewardship to? You know, to those who are obedient to Him, for those who submit to His authority, for those who receive the Son, to those who will produce fruit for him. You know, he's, he's going to give the stewardship we know to, to the church, to the church. And just as the workers in the vineyard, the vineyard were not working under their own authority. They were working under the authority of the owner. We work under the authority of, of God It's given to us by the, by the owner of the vineyard. You know, our authority is derived from Jesus' authority. He's, he's given us the authority to do the mission, to take over his mission. You know, our, our mission is, is a continuation of that. You know, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. You know, our mission is to continue that, to bring people to the Lord Jesus. You know, before he ascended into heaven, Jesus told his disciples what, what the mission was, Right? The, the, the Great Commission. This is our mission as well. He says, all authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, back, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, look at, Look what he's saying here. He's saying all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you know, because of that authority that he has, he's with us. We operate under his authority. You know, he's he's given us the authority to do the things that he's commanded us to do. You know, to make disciples, to to bring people to him, to to nurture them. Help them grow. You know, it occurs to me that uh, there are many places in the New Testament where Jesus talks about his, us, us, you know, assuming his authority, working under his authority. 
the, the words he uses are in my name. You know, what, is it, what does it mean to do something in Jesus' name? It's to do it on his behalf. It's to do it under, under his authority. You know, the, um, when I was in the Air Force, I used to see this sign that uh, was, was very somber sign. In fact, it was it was right there in the uh, entryway. Usually, when I walked in the door, and it it says something like this: "Deadly force authorized." Deadly force authorized. So I'd work, you know, go in go into the door, and there would be somebody sitting or, or standing there with with an M sixteen, and uh, you know, it's kind of a. The, the first few times, especially, kind of, kind of a sobering thing. Deadly force authorized. What does that mean that for that to be authorized? Somebody gave them the authority. Somebody gives the uh, security police the, the authority to use deadly force. Who is that? You know, ultimately, it's the uh, commander in chief of the armed forces, the president. Well, in the, in the New Testament, God refers to his people as those people who are called by my name. You know, God's name is associated with power. God's name is associated with, with glory. And he gives us the privilege of being called by his name. Malachi 1.11 says, From the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered to my name as a pure off- and a pure offer- offering. Excuse me. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. You know, it's, it's no small matter. It's no trivial thing to be called by God's name. You know, there's, there's power and there's authority in his name. We're, we're commissioned to do things in his name. You know, what are, what are some of the things that he, that he talks about? We're to, Jesus says, we're, we're to receive children in his name. Um, just a couple of verses later, there's this guy casting out demons in Jesus' name. Remember that? The disciples complain, but Jesus said, let him, let him do it in my name. Yeah, we're we're to ask in Jesus' name. You know, praying in Jesus' name. John fifteen sixteen, Jesus says, You know, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask in the ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Praying. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Yeah, I'm I'm afraid many times we we end our prayer with a with a closing three words in Jesus' name as if it's you know maybe some magic formula or or just something that's that's said carelessly like we end our na- our, our letters you know sincerely tim whitey can we can we pray in Jesus' name without saying that at the end i hope we are you know what? What we're saying is that um, by praying in, in Jesus' name, we're praying under His authority. We're praying 
to the Father because he is our intercessor, Jesus. You were, you know, he's, he's granted us this, this privilege. He's saying, do it in my name. I remember when I was uh, a kid in this, this small town in Arizona called Levine. Levine had a gas station that was connected to a general store and post office. That was it. There was a school, grade school there too. But uh, the, the, the proprietor, uh, Ralph Spots, this old guy, he kept a ledger under his counter. And, and you could go into that store and buy something and just say, you know, put it on my account. And he'd write, he'd write it down, you know. And then uh, later on, you, you go and settle up your, your account. Well, I could go in and say, put it, you know, put it under my dad's account, you know, my mom maybe would send me to, to buy a carton of milk or something. You know, put it under, put it on, put it on my dad's account. I'm there buying milk in his name, in his name. That's what it is to, to pray in his name. When we ask in his name, Jesus says we're, we're asking in accordance with, with his will. Accordance to his will, under his authority. And I'm afraid many times when we pray, we're, you know, when we don't pray according to his will, whose authority are we praying under? Our own. That doesn't carry a lot of weight. It's not a good way to pray. You know, the things we do as Christians are, are done in his name by his authority, you know. and uh, Let's not lose sight of that. When we do things by our authority, by our own authority and our own name, according to our will, not according to his will. That's that's a recipe for uh, failure. Well, as we uh, come to a close here, you know, if if Jesus was just a mere man, you know, his he he would have had no authority. You know, the authority that he claimed to have would have been based on delusion or or fantasy, you know, if if all he was was a good teacher, an influential rabbi, you know, teaching people how to live good lives, uh, really there would be nothing to distinguish him from, from the other rabbis, the other great ab- rabbis. His, his claims would be absurd, you know, claiming I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, But this is how the religious leaders saw him. They were asking themselves, what, how dare this guy say things like that? How, how dare he heal people on the Sabbath? And this is why the Jews were, were seeking to kill him, you know, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but he was, it says, calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You know, if, if if he didn't have that authority that he claimed that he claimed to have, then uh, they would have been right. But he did have the authority from the Father. He said, "I have all authority." The religious leaders didn't believe the prophets. The prophets who had spoken about his authority that had his authority, that operated under it. They did not listen to the Son of God, 
who had supreme authority. You know, rather than placing themselves under God's authority, they created their own, they made their own laws, which prevented them from bearing fruit for the, for the father that, that the father expected. You know, we saw earlier from the fig tree for the temple that God desires, he, he demands that we bear fruit. You know, we say that we see the same thing, same lesson in the, in this parable. And, you know, we need to, we need to put ourselves under God's authority. We need to live according to his will. We've been granted this privilege of being given the authority to do things in his name, you know, praying in his name, doing good things in, in his name. He talks about you know, giving a, a glass of water in, in his name, you know, he talks about baptizing in his name. What a, what a privilege, what a responsibility to. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we admit that we are a rebellious people. We, we tend to resist authority. We are, we are proud And Lord, I, I just pray that you would uh, empower us to, to yield to you, to submit to your authority, and that uh, in your name, in your name, Lord, that we would do things that glorify you, that we would do all things to your glory. Lord, serving others, uh, preaching the gospel, sharing, sharing the good news with others the good news of Jesus and the, the gift of eternal life. Uh, thank you, Lord, that, that you have granted us that authority that we can do things in your name, that we can do things according to your will. Your name, Lord, the name above all names, the only name by which uh, we may be saved, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name and, and by his authority that we pray, amen.